We continue worshiping God together as we come under his word. I hope you've been following along with the sermon series that you can find on the homepage to see the reading, daily readings, to be a part of this time in God's word together in the book of Philippians. This week we are in chapter 3, and I'll begin reading in chapter 3, verse 12, and uh, that's where we'll dig into God's word together today. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Paul continues his argument here in chapter three of Philippians. We saw in chapter one, the beginning of that argument where he invites us to rejoice and encourage us in joy, to live in a manner worthy of Christ. And now he spends the rest of this letter encouraging us and teaching us how to do that. And so we learn to stand firm by putting our roots into God's word in chapter one. In chapter two, we've learned to serve others as Christ has come as a servant to all. And we continue putting our roots in together now in chapter three as we press on. This chapter begins with the word finally. In English, we think, oh, he's coming to the end. But we see in Greek, this is a participle to continue the argument, to double down on the point that he's trying to make, to live in a manner worthy of Christ. And so, Paul uses several illustrations to get us to that point. He uses illustrations of finances with loss and gain. He uses the illustration of athletics, of gaining the prize, of pressing on towards it. We'll talk more about what those words mean in a few minutes. He uses the uh, analogy of citizenship, whether our citizenship is in on earth or in heaven. And he even uses some very intense language that in Greek will be later used in uh, history to describe a battle, no less. So the argument here is building. And in chapter three, he doesn't want us to miss it. In fact, he doesn't want us to turn back and consider anything else, to look at anything else other than the goal that is in Christ Jesus. Let me help illustrate uh, what he means here by saying this. I love summer months, but oftentimes, maybe even more so, I appreciate the crisp air of the fall, the, the, the cold days of winter, and getting snuggled up in a nice comfy sweater and enjoying those crisp cold days. And yet, here in the heat of the summer, a sweater doesn't quite do what it does for me and for any of us on a cold day. It doesn't feel 
quite so comfortable, does it? It doesn't do what I want it to accomplish. And so I need to not be looking back to the winter months, but lay that aside and quit looking back and live like it is now, like we are in Christ. Paul does not want us to look back. And what doesn't he want us to look back on? He doesn't want us to look back on the old life outside of Christ. And I'll say more about that because it's so crucial here. In fact, many commentators like to look to this image that you see now here on the screen of this moment in what was called at this race way back in 1954 of the Miracle Mile. That is with Ron Bannister and John Landy, the first two uh, men who were able to run a sub four minute mile. And so these Miracle Milers were racing against each other. And Roger Bannister and John Landy battled it out, but Landy led the whole race. That is, that is until close to the end of the race, he looked over his shoulder, looking back to see where Bannister was, and Bannister used that distraction as an opportunity to race ahead and go ahead and win. The picture of that event for many is a picture of what Paul is talking about here. We must lay aside what is behind us and move forward to what Christ has obtained and attained for us. And then in that, live the race that God has for us now. Paul wants us to be focused on the fact that God has gripped us, to go only where he is leading us now with our roots firmly planted in God's word. You see, it's no longer uh, our striving for our righteousness. It's the righteousness that God has given us. He's obtained for us as we heard about beautifully in chapter two of what Christ has done for us. Now, Paul uses this word uh, grip, this intense word. He's telling us that the Christian life is intense. This word in Greek is used so intensely that it's used to describe uh, the, the intensity of a battle. It's gritty. It's, it's, his language comes not only from the world of athletics, but also from uh, a battlefield. In fact, a battle report that the ancient historian Herodotus used the same words to describe an army's pursuit and seizure of the retreating columns. And so God has seized us in the gospel. He's got us in his grip. And because we're in his grip, as we plant our roots in his word, he now invites us to live with that same intensity. And so what is this metaphor all about? Well, Paul is telling us that he had uh, all the rights of a good Jew. He lived just as he should have. And now he counts that as lost because he realizes, using that financial metaphor, that he has no gain in that. His only gain is in Christ. And you know, those Pharisees at the time, you could consider fanatics. But what they were fanatic about was focused on the wrong thing. They were focused on themselves. You and I do the same thing. We try to focus on getting ourselves there, of making ourselves righteous. But Paul wants us to know that the grip, that strong grip, is from Jesus. 
And because we're in his grip, there's now what the pastor Martin Luther will call a dual righteousness, that we now live in that intensity as fanatics to be sure, but focused on the right thing, focused on what Christ has done, holding us in his grip. Because we're in his grip, then everything else gets focused, fine-tuned onto what Jesus has for us to live our lives for him. One pastor put it like this, that as we shine the light of Christ, not as diffuse as a light bulb might be in a room, but with the focus of a laser beam. And the, the reality is, is that Christ focused his laser beam on love and put it in flesh for us so that we could be in his grip. And so with that same intensity for us, he invites us to turn our eyes and put our focus on him, on the prize that is in Christ Jesus. And it's not that we're called to do it perfectly. Even the Apostle Paul, who you could say was probably the greatest Christian who ever lived, said, it's not that I have yet obtained this. And what he means by that is put every aspect under his life into the laser beam focus of what Christ has done for him. And as I mentioned last week, when folks do that, when great men and women in history do that, People like William Wilberforce, who after coming to Christ in the United Kingdom, then was compelled to put his whole life for the sake of Christ, his work in politics, his work in his daily life to share the love of Christ in everything he did. He com was compelled to do that. You and I are compelled to do the same thing. Having been gripped by Jesus and his grace, we're now compelled, compelled to have that same intensity to how we parent, how we do our daily vocation and our work, how we live at school, how we recreate. Every aspect of our life comes under that intensity. But you say, well, wait a minute, Paul said he couldn't obtain that. So are we to always constantly feel nervous? Like, oh, I can't obtain it. I've got to go after it. No, because, because we put all of those things under Christ, under his lordship, under the intensity of that laser beam focus of the goal, the upward call of Christ Jesus, our Lord, this manner of life. Then when we do that, then, and only then can we experience true joy. I don't know about you, but oftentimes in my prayer life with the Lord Jesus, uh, I'll say, Lord, if you could just help me get through this and this and this and this, then, that, then I'll be okay. But what I need to be reminded is that as I put this and this and this under his lordship, knowing that my laser beam focuses on him, then all of those things, they don't have the grip on me any longer. It's Christ who is Lord of the universe, Lord of my life. And when it's not that those things don't matter, it's not that those prayer requests that God invites us to cast onto him don't matter. It's that, that what matters more is the upward call of Christ Jesus. So they don't have a grip on me, the things of this world, but Christ does. And because he's got his grip on me, then I can live my life for him and then through him make an impact in all of those lists and all the areas that God has called me to live. That's how we'll make a huge impact in the world. As you've heard me say, it's impossible 
when we have our mind, back to that citizenship idea that Paul picks up here in this text, when we have our mind on earthly things, it's impossible not to do earthly good. Now, oftentimes when we think of fanatics, we think of, oh, they're so heavily minded, they're not doing earthly good. Well, that's because they're those who are living like that are focusing backwards on their own work, their own righteousness. It's not that we forget what's happened in our lives. It's not that we forget the sin that we've done or that's been done to us. As I think my colleague, Dr. Reinhard Scheller, our pastoral counselor and pastor here at Faith Lutheran will tell you, it's not that we forget what's gone before us or ignore it. It's that where we place it and we place it in the hands of Christ who has his grip on us and he can fully deal with it. And so then we can fully live. That laser beam, intense focus, friends, is the place that God is inviting us to put all of those things under the Lordship of Jesus. And as Luther has put it, Martin Luther, it's not just about uh, who we become, it's who we're becoming. Even the Apostle Paul said he hasn't yet obtained it. And so we continue in this life as yet by faith, putting it under the Lordship of Jesus. And so we need his daily grace for when we fail to do that. We need his holy sacrament to restore us and to continue to strengthen us for service in him. So when our joy is lost because we think those uh, lists uh, have not been answered, we remember that the most important call is that laser beam focus of Christ and put all of those other things under him and so they no longer have a control under us. It was an idea that was understood that um, safety would come from the Messiah. The safety that they, they sought would come from the Messiah who would restore order into daily life, maybe take over Israel again, away from the, uh, the Roman world. But Paul rightly teaches us here, and Jesus shows us, it's not that we're going to, in this world, fully experience safety. We're not going to get it from the Caesar, from the government, from the things of this world. We're going to get it from our citizenship that is in heaven. There we serve Christ, and nothing that happens in this world even though we can offer all of the Lord in prayer, all the Lord in service to him and good works to our neighbor. But it's not this world that will save us. It's Jesus who's got his grip on us. Our safety comes from the knowledge of our salvation in Christ. And there we have joy. And so circumstance, as we keep hearing throughout this letter, will not take away our joy because it's given to us by Jesus, who's got his grip on us. So we press on, we press on towards the upward call of Christ Jesus. And let me say one word about this as we come to a close here with this word, press on. We press on, Paul used that same word, press on, to describe his old life of persecution, that word press, in negative light. And now he uses it in a positive life to intensely press on to the one who has his grip on him, to the upward call of Christ Jesus. This is the call that God has for you. His grip on you now encourages you to press on, to put all things under the lordship of Jesus. And it's not 
so that we can get our salvation. We have gained that salvation because of the grip that he has on us. In fact, you got to remember this hermeneutic key, this lens for this text. Paul is talking to folks who have already received the gift of salvation. And so if you're not sure, or if you have not yet received that gift of salvation into Christ, then let his grip come upon you because it's the work of Jesus, as we read in chapter 2, that grips us, that gives us that gift. And because we have that gift, now we have this dual righteousness of following in the righteousness of Christ to love our neighbor, to love Christ. And so, as the gospel tells us in Mark and Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Laser beam focus of the upward call of Christ. And all those lists, all those other things will no longer have their grip on you. Only our loving Savior will. And there your joy will be made complete. And our mission together will serve no matter what we face with this intense focus of the love of God for us and for the world. And then we follow in his footsteps to share us. At baptism, we are called to let our light shine to glorify the Father in heaven. And so that call from God's word continues for us. So let your light shine intensely because God has his grip on you. Like a heat-seeking missile, like a laser beam focus, set aside the things that won't do what we want it to do, but come to Christ who can do it all for the kingdom of God. And so we can, with the Apostle Paul and with the fellow members of the body of Christ, press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus our Lord. May that be true for you in your home and in mine as we come to Jesus, as he empowers us to do that with his holy sacrament today, as he holds us in his grip. Let us now intensely follow him. In Jesus' name, amen.